0: Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Today, we're going to be carrying on with this series, Pride Goes Before Destruction. Pride Goes Before Destruction. And today we're going to look at Goliath and why Goliath fell, why he was destroyed. Well, newsflash, you probably can guess why he was destroyed. It's the same reason why every single biblical example that we're looking at in this series, why they fell, why they were destroyed. Uh, The first episode of this series, Pride Goes Before Destruction, we answered the question, what is pride? This would be a good definition for you to type in the comment section. What is pride? Pride is simply this. Elevating one's opinions and thoughts above God's authoritative word. Elevating one's opinions and thoughts above God's authoritative word. Pride is simply this. When I see the instruction of God's word, For me to refuse to yield to the instruction of God's Word, that's prideful. When the Word of God corrects me, when the Spirit of God convicts me, when the Word of God gives me instruction, when I see clear instruction, clear correction, clear teaching from the Word of God, I am to surrender my thoughts and opinions to God's truth. And for me not to do that is prideful. Uh, some, a precious person on TikTok said, another TikTok wannabe pastor. Fake it till you make it, my friend. Fake it till you make it. Glad that you're watching and listening today. <laughs> Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Interestingly enough, in the series that we did a few weeks ago, humility comes before honor. You can go check that out on the Gospel Tabernacle YouTube channel. We've got it in a nice little playlist, all edited. Right when you click play, it immediately goes to the teaching. TikTok fam, hit up the link tree on the uh, on the on my account, and it takes you right there. You can scroll down and see the playlist of our YouTube channel. And I just want to let everyone know if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel, Facebook, please do. Uh, TikTok family. Click on the link tree. I have a podcast called Faith for My Generation Podcast. If you enjoy these streams, you'll love the podcast. There's over 160 episodes on that podcast. Anywhere podcasts are available. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, which Stitcher is now bought out by Pandora. They just sent an email yesterday. You can listen to the Faith for My Generation Podcast. Go check it out. Make sure you follow it. I'd appreciate it. So we discussed humility. Humility comes before honor. And in this series, Pride Goes Before Destruction, we're looking today at Goliath and why he fell, why he was destroyed. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting at verse 1. And as I was mentioning, got sidetracked with the little promo there. In the series, Humility Comes Before Honor, we actually went to this chapter and we looked at King David. And at this point, he wasn't King David. He was just shepherd boy David. But we looked at David in the same chapter and how humility brought him success and how humility brought him increase and brought him the victory. Today we look on the flip side how it brought Goliath destruction. His pride brought him destruction. 1 Samuel 17 verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokoth, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokoth and Azekah in Apez-Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubics in a span, roughly thirteen foot tall. You actually believe giants existed? Yes, absolutely. Verse five He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders, now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed six hundred shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to b- line up in battle? Why have you come out to line up for battle? And I, Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then he will be your servants." But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants in service. So Goliath has this standoff. We see about Goliath, he's 13 some odd foot tall. All the armor that he is wearing is heavier than most men could carry. Let's see if, if we've got some information on the armor here. 13 foot, four inches tall. Um, the coat of, a helmet of brass He's got a coat of mail that a coat of mail so it's like quilted linen that has rows of metal plates secured into it by brass pins just the mail coat that Goliath wore was about 200 pounds in weight. He's got across his legs he's got these coverings made of brass that are strapped on with leather. He's got a huge shield, a huge staff and a huge spear. The spear itself probably weighed about, the spearhead itself probably weighed about 25 pounds. Can you imagine hurling that thing? It's insane. So nonetheless, giant Goliath is a giant, a literal giant, absolutely massive. He goes out before the armies of Saul, the people of Israel, and in this day and age, they would often do this they would often do this. They would often have a champion from each side of the army fight against each other. Rather than having the entire armies go against each other, they would have a champion from each side go against each other. And if the champion won, they would oftentimes capitulate, and just say, rather than spilling the blood of thousands, we'll have our best fighter go against our best fighter. And of course, Goliath's saying, come on, guys, let's let's rumble. Let's let's go at it. Why why hasn't anyone come out against me? Now notice this, verse 10. And the Philistine said, this is Goliath speaking, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Notice that. He said, I defy. Uh, The New Living Translation says this. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. um, The Amplified Version says, And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Very simply put, he's like, Look, I dare you. I double-dog dare you. (laughs) And, you know, throwing out your mama jokes and everything. I double-dog dare you. Come and fight me. But they wouldn't do it, of course. In fact, verse 11 tells us this, When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Why were the armies of the living God afraid? Why would you and I, sons and daughters of God, brought into the family of God, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and were cleansed by the blood of Christ and we're made sons and daughters of God, reborn, born again, why would we ever fear? The only reason we would ever fear is because we put the words of Satan, the words of the enemy, lies and deceptions, in a higher regard than the word of God, than the truth of God. This, is a, I mean, this has been often quoted, especially over the past several years. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, you probably know it by heart. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want you to type in the comments, No spirit of fear here. No spirit of fear here. No spirit of fear here. Type that in the comments. When you secure yourself and renew your mind, Romans chapter 12 tells us to renew our mind through the Word of God. Ephesians 5 tells us to wash our mind with the water of the Word. When we renew our mind to the truths of God's Word, it eradicates that spirit of fear. And you and I, as children of God, we have no right engaging in fear we have no right no reason to engage in fear there's absolutely no reason for us to be fearful because the spirit of fear is not our portion the spirit of fear is not our portion checking on one thing here in fact you could type that in the comments type that in the comments the spirit of fear is not my portion The spirit of fear is not my portion. What do I mean by that, my portion? You know, the Bible talks about having a portion. What is the portion that God has given us? The portion that God has given us is a portion of blessing. It's His life. It's His power. It's His might. It's His goodness. It's His righteousness. You know, we're righteous not in our own righteousness. Our own works, apart from Christ, are as filthy rags, the book of Isaiah tells us. But when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we confess Him Lord, we're made righteous with the righteousness of God. That's our portion. When we put our faith in the Lord, His victory becomes our victory. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's my portion? My portion is victory. My portion, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 tells us, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And then the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. My portion is peace. Peace is my portion. Joy, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's my portion. My portion is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And and notice what I did there. I just went through and I declared the truths of God's Word. I just simply saw who God says we are in the Scripture and what God has given us by the Word of God through the covenant we have with Christ Jesus. And so fear is not my portion. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have, if I hear a bad report, I don't have to be fearful. Isaiah 53, 1. Let's read that. I want to read that, actually, word for word. Because I might quote it and and paraphrase it and get it halfway right. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? That's a, a rhetorical question. Isaiah 53.1, who's believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In scripture, when you see the phrase, the arm of the Lord, it's referring to the power of God. So who is the arm of the Lord or who is the power of God revealed to? Well, it answers itself in the first question, who's believed the report of the Lord? So Isaiah 53.1 shows us this, when you believe God's report, God's truth, When you believe God's report, you then experience the power of God. When you receive the truth of God through His Word, and you hold His Word as the highest standard, and you say, it's true because God has said it in His Word, at that point, by faith, you receive the power of God in your life. You receive the power of God in your life at the point you believe the report of the Lord. And in verse 11 here of 1 Samuel 17... Saul and the people of Israel do not believe the report of the Lord. They don't believe. They've been told time and time again in the law. In the law that was given to them through the man Moses by the Holy Spirit. They've been given instruction. When you take the land and you serve God, no enemy will be able to stand before you. I'll make, An enemy will come with, against you in one way and they'll flee seven different ways. But here they are. They're running from the enemies of God. Let's keep reading. Verse 12, Now David was the son of Ephrite of Bethlehem of Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The oldest three sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle, and their names are Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. David was young, the youngest, and the old three oldest followed Saul. So there's eight sons. The three oldest went to war. The very youngest is David. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near, presenting himself 40 days, morning and evening, for 40 days. What is that? Almost six weeks? Six times seven, 42? Yeah, almost six whole weeks. A month and a half, Goliath comes out and defies the armies of the living God. Come on, somebody, come fight me. I dare you. Double dog dare you. Well, uh, it, we're going to kind of skim through this section because I want to get to what Goliath says and how he falls because of pride. Jesse sends David to go check on his older brothers. He sends with him bread and cheese. I guess they were going to make cheese sandwiches. Send some dried grain with 10 loaves and some cheese. 10 cheeses. Man, they must have been big old wheels of cheese. <laughs> so David leaves. He goes there. When he shows up, he sees Israel and the Philistines drawn up in battle array, army against army, verse 21. At that point, David leads the supplies with the supply keeper. He brings the food and brings that food and supplies and brings it to the supply keeper of the army. And then he starts to talk with the soldiers, the army there. At this point, you know, if he's going back and forth bringing food every now and then, he probably knows some guys there. Verse 23 says this There was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. So David hears the reward. You know, it's interesting. uh, Some people, sometimes Christians fail to remember this, but God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to believe God. For he who believes, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you are seeking the Lord with all your heart, God sees you and is rewarding you. I want you to type that in the comments. If you're seeking the Lord with all your heart, type this in the comments. If you're not, don't type it. But if you're truly seeking God with all that you are, type this phrase in the comments. God is my rewarder. God is my rewarder. God is my rewarder. Type that in the comments. If you're seeking the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul, type in the comments, God is my rewarder. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. First requirement: you actually have to believe that God is, that he exists, that he is who he says he is, that he that in the truth of his word is who he is. That's his nature. We can under there are some things we do not know about God and will not until we cross over into eternity. But there are many things about the nature of God we can know, because he's revealed himself through his word. By the Holy Spirit. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and you have to believe this as well, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When David finds out the reward for killing Goliath, he actually asks them again. And this is when his brothers get upset. And they they look at him and say, What did you what did you do? Did you come down here? Verse 28, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Jesse has eight sons. So if he's married, if his wife's still alive with eight sons, that's at least 10 folks. He probably has some hired hands and servants. I would imagine, in order in that day and age, just you would have a garden you would have livestock just to live and exist because, you know, you don't run to Aldi. You don't run the grocery store. But if he is a sheep herder, Jesse probably has a couple thousand sheep. We don't know for certain, but just to maintain the lifestyle in that day and age that you would, what would require to live and eat and just be normal with food and produce and, and livestock, you're going to have a couple dozen. But if he's got sons that herd sheep, it's probably thousands. So what is Eliab doing? Eliab's upset. Why'd you leave those little, why'd you leave those few sheep here to come down here? And notice this, and with, I know your pride. So he's calling David prideful. I know your pride and insolence of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. Eliab, what battle? What battle? There is no battle going on. Eliab's like, you just came down here to watch the battle. There's no battle. For 40 days, Goliath has been mocking, cursing, and defying the armies of Israel. And there's not been one sword swung, not one spear thrown, not one sling loosed, not one arrow shot. There is no battle. David ignores them. Verse 29, he doesn't ignore him actually. He says, what what have, I, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? In other words, is there not a reason for me to inquire what will happen if we take out this giant? And so they tell David again, look, whoever kills this giant named Goliath, Saul has promised he'll make you very rich, you can marry his daughter, and you'll be exempt from taxes. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If I was given that opportunity today, I would tell Saul, keep the riches. I already have a wife. Keep your daughter. I'll take not having to pay taxes for the rest of my life. Let me kill. If Can anyone find a giant today that I could kill just so I don't have to pay taxes for life? That would be enough for me. <laughs> and the people say, amen. Verse 31. Now, in the words which David spoke, when they were heard, they reported them to Saul. So, David is talking about taking out Goliath. Saul hears the words, it's reported to him. Then David goes before Saul. David goes before Saul. Hey, Teresa, glad to have you on. And what does David say to Saul? Because Saul says, wait a minute, verse 33, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him. You're just a young man, you're a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. In other words, David, you're young and inexperienced. Goliath has been fighting from since the age you are now. He's got a lifetime of warfare. Notice what David says, verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a man when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its Mouth, And then it arose against me, and I caught it by its beard, struck, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord Be with you. David simply says Look, I put all my trust, I put all my faith in Almighty God. Just as God caused me to overcome the lion and the bear, it's just a natural step of progression. The Lord protected me from the lion, He protected me from the bear. Now He'll protect me from this uncircumcised Philistine. It makes no difference. See, there's a law of progression in the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 30, or verse 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Or excuse me, it is verse 30. Then Jesus said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed which is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. Verse 32, But when it is sown, it grows up, and it becomes greater than all the herbs, shoots out large branches, so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Mustard seed is extremely small. But when it grows up into full maturity, it's larger than all the other herb plants to the point where it's almost like a small tree. Verse 28 of that same chapter, Jesus says this, The earth yields crops by itself, first the blade. So if you've ever planted a seed, you see a little green shoot. We got a backyard garden, it's in full fruition right now. We've got sunflowers and flowers bloomed. We've got tomatoes ripening, onions about to be ready to pull, potatoes about to be ready to be pulled, basil, like a little bush, of two bushes of basil. We've got pepper plants growing. We have a lot of stuff in our backyard garden all those vegetable plants all those flowers began with a seed with a seed so first the blade that little shoot comes up it's fun watching it you plant a seed and a little few weeks later you see a little green shoot coming up a little source of life showing itself breaking through the dirt then the head like a tomato plant I'm in South Carolina a lot of folks plant tomato plants they're easy to work with you can put them in containers five gallon buckets a lot of people do that so you can just have one on your back porch if you want fresh tomatoes you put that plant in that that seed it's a green shoot then it's a plant but before there's any tomatoes that plant gets real big and strong and then you see yellow blossoms and wherever that blossoms at it'll close up and make a tomato that's just how the kingdom of God works that's how faith works The Bible tells us not to despise the day of small beginnings. See, David did not despise the day of small beginnings. He knew that God had protected him from the lion, and in the Middle East, the lions that were in the Middle East were smaller, physically smaller, than the bears. So these lions, he took out a lion. Then a bear, who's bigger than the lion, he takes it out. And so in David's mind, he has the heart he has the heart uh, of the. He has the heart of God's truth, in or rather, he has the truth of God's word in his heart, even though it's yet to be revealed. He has that same understanding. I took out the lion. I took out the bear. God empowered me to do that, and it's just one step further. It's a stepping stone to this this giant. And so, despise not the day of small beginnings. Don't don't think what you have is too small for god to work with don't begin to exercise your faith now exercise your faith right now because the faith you exercise today will be stronger tomorrow pray big prayers today and a year from now those big prayers that you prayed they won't seem so big because they've been answered and you've moved on to bigger prayers And that's exactly what David does. Now Saul tries to outfit him in his own armor and it doesn't work. David says, uh, Saul tries to put on his armor. I don't know if I said Samuel. Saul tries to put on his armor on David. David said, "This, this armor's not built for me. It's not made for me. I can't move and fight in it. So David takes off Saul's armor. That's very good too as well to keep in mind. Don't put on another man's armor. Don't put on another woman's armor. Do your own praying. Do your own studying. Read the Word of God. Get the Word of God in your heart. Don't just rely on someone else's faith. Don't rely on someone else's prayers. Don't rely on someone else's standing before the Lord. You get right with God. You get strong in the Lord. You study out His Word. You had His Word in your heart. You pray. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in worship. You soul win. You witness. You be found among the faithful at your church. You build up your relationship with God. Don't try to wear another man's armor. Don't try to wear another woman's armor because it won't work. You can't fight. you got to be able to fight. And that happens when you wear the armor that God's given you. So David uses his sling that he's used to. All right, now here we get down to the nitty-gritty of it. Verse 41, So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before Goliath. Goliath, his shield, is so big that a man carries it for him so that Goliath can use a sword and a spear at the same time. He's like a moving, marching, going forward tank of war. <laughs> Verse 42, when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, he belittled him, for he was only a youth, a young man, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Goliath curses David with curses from the Philistine gods. Verse 44, the Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. There we see it. There's, there is Goliath's pride. Goliath's pride is in full example. David, you're just a little kid. Are you, You're not worth my time. I can't believe this. Here I am the warrior and hero and champion of Philistia, and you're coming out, you're the best Israel's got, some young kid? You don't even have armor on, no sword, just a sling? Give me a break. I'm worth more than this. I'm better than this. That's what Goliath's saying, right? So what does David say? The man, the humble warrior... Then David said to to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. You're using natural weapons. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Notice, it's, it's very strong. What David is saying is extremely strong, but it's filled with humility. Goliath is exalting himself. I'll whip any of you. I'm the champion of Philistia. Come on, send somebody out. This is the best you got. I can take him out, no problem. Goliath's trust and faith is in himself. David's faith and trust is in God. And humility, as we defined it, humility is absolute surrender to God's will. And David is saying, just like God helped me take out the lion and the bear, Goliath, I'm going to take you out. You've been mocking and defying and cursing the armies of the living God. And today, everyone's going to find out that Jehovah, he is the one true God. Verse 47, then all this assembly, or excuse me, yeah, verse 47 then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not ha- does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give it into our hands. Type that in the comments. The battle is the Lord's. 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 The is the Lord's. That's humility the exact opposite of pride pride is finding strength in yourself pride is finding strength in your ability it's not that we don't have ability we have ability but the abilities and skills and talents and gifts that you and i have are god given and the battle is the lord's he may use what he's he will use what he's given us he will use our talents and our abilities god when he works on the earth he moves through human vessels God works through people. God works through His church. And His church is simply people. So He's going to use your talents and abilities and giftings. He's going to supernaturally empower you. But He does it through a human vessel. But that doesn't take away the fact that the battle is the Lord's. He uses you and me to bring about the victory. But the battle and the victory is sure verse 48 and so it was when the philistine arose and came near and drew near to meet david that david hurried and ran toward the army to meet the philistine then david put his hand in his bag and took out a stone he slung it and struck the philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth never noticed that but he fell forward not backwards In the cartoons, you know, the comic books and illustrated Bibles and all that, you see David throw that stone and it hits Goliath and he falls back. But the scripture says he he got hit and fell forward. (laughs) Fell forward. Verse 50, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Notice it. David told him, David told Goliath, I'm going to destroy all you guys. And he says in verse 46, Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off. David said, I'm going to cut your head off to Goliath. (laughs) And he has no sword. David says, I'm going to take your head off, Goliath. And David didn't bring a sword. Why was David so confident that he could take off Goliath's head? Because Goliath had a sword. And when David got done, Goliath wouldn't need the sword. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took Goliath's sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. Goliath didn't even have time to unsheathe his sword. (laughs) David takes out Goliath before he even has time to pull out the sword out of its sheath. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. The wounded of the Philistines fell among the road to Sherem, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from the chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put the armor in his tent. Verse 57, Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Goliath's great fall was all because of pride. All because of pride. Goliath was so filled with pride that for forty days he defied the armies of God and by default defied God Himself, and it brought him his destruction, as we've read every time we've streamed during this series. Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Literally, Goliath fell face forward because of his pride. Proverbs eighteen twelve, before destruction the heart of a man is haughty, but before honor is humility. David humbled himself under the hand of God and said, I can take out this giant who's mocking my God. Goliath says, I'll take anybody out that wants to come. Pride destroyed Goliath. Humility exalted David. James 4 verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want more grace? You want more spiritual empowerment? You want the Holy Spirit to empower you to live a life that honors Jesus? Humble yourself. Humble yourself under His mighty hand, and He will exalt you in due time. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I was reading this in my Bible reading yesterday, and I would encourage you. Every single day, you need to open up your Bible and read it. You know, a good rule of thumb is three chapters a day. It takes about 10, 15 minutes. If you're a slow reader like I am, I'm not a fast reader. Fifteen minutes at the most, you can read three chapters a day, and in the course of a year, you'll read your entire Bible from cover to cover. That would be a good goal for every believer to read their Bible from cover to cover every year. All this, 15 minutes a day? You've got that, I've got that. We, We waste more time on silly things than that. But in my daily Bible reading yesterday, I was reading Psalm 59, and I read these two verses, and today when I was preparing... This outline for Goliath, it may I, I remembered what I read yesterday. Psalms fifty nine, verse twelve says this for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride, and for the cursing and lying which they speak. Consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be, and let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. That psalm, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was written by David. And it was actually concerning the time where he's running from his life from King Saul when King Saul is in his backslidden state and trying to kill David. But it applies to Goliath. Goliath had sin in his mouth. The words of his lips were filled with pride. He had cursing and lying coming across his mouth. He's defying the living God and the nation of God and the armies of God. He's mocking the things of God. He's mocking the armies of Israel. For 40 days and 40 nights, he's sinning through his mouth. You can sin by way of your mouth, by what you say. And what is the prayer here? Lord, take them in their pride. If they're not going to repent, they're going to continue to mock and to lie and to sin with their mouth, consume them in wrath, so that everyone knows that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Look, it's very simple. Part of humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God is to say what God says, to speak God's truth, even if it takes us renewing our mind because there's things in the Word of God, if you say it out loud, you're going to say, ooh, can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? For instance, I am, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess Him Lord, you become, you're made the righteousness of God and you're made right with God. That's what righteousness means to be made right with God. But for you to say that out loud, if you've got any kind of Dead religion in you, you're going to think, oh, oh, can I actually get away with saying that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Notice, I didn't say I'm the righteousness of God, period. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And so that is to humble myself. No, I don't act that way. I don't live that way. I I keep myself pure. I keep myself clean. Why? Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we have, not sometimes, we must continually cleanse our mouth to make sure that it only speaks the truth of God's Word. We we have to allow our mouths, or rather command our mouths and command our minds to think on and to speak what is true and what is righteous. Look, as we finish up today, if you're watching and listening, and you're thinking, you know what, AJ? I hear what you're saying. I like what like what you're saying. I don't want to fall. I don't want to be destroyed like Goliath was destroyed in his pride. How can I be exalted? And how can I be successful? And how can I honor God like David did and be richly blessed? Well, it's very simple. You put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3, 16. The Bible tells us in Second Peter three nine that God is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. For God wills that no one should perish, but that all should be saved. In fact, let me read it word for word, because I know I missed a few words there. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us. He's patient towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you and me to be in a right standing with Him. And you know in your heart of hearts whether you're right with the living God or not. You know in your heart of hearts whether you're right with, with the Lord. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The Bible tells us that the wages or the paycheck for the work of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, Romans 6.23. The Bible tells us that we can have access with God by faith in Jesus Christ and be at peace with God, no longer an enemy of God, Romans 5, 1 and 2. In Romans chapter 10, it tells us the pathway to salvation. The Bible tells us that when we confess with our mouth, Jesus, you are Lord, believing in our heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God, we shall be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to encourage you right now Do not wait. You don't know if you have more time. Don't wait. The coming of the Lord is coming quickly. If you're watching and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've not repented and turned from your sins and confessed Him Lord and submitted to Him, now is the time. Now is the time. Today, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now is the time to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And as the Bible says, when we do that, we're made a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you want to become brand new and be made right with God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Pray this prayer with me. Ready? Pray. Dear Father, in Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. I turn from my life of sin. I believe you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on my cross for my sins. And I believe by your power, he rose from the dead three days later. And by that same power, I am being saved and made brand new. I confess, I say with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. Lord Jesus, I accept your lordship. I believe in you. You are my Savior. and You are my Lord. Empower me by the Holy Spirit to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.